We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson I am convinced that what really stands out about Churches of Christ has been our allegiance to Scripture, our willingness to look at what the Bible has to say, to investigate divine truth, and seek to the best of our ability to incorporate that truth into our lives. I want us to think a little bit about education and the need for education in the Lord's church. And as we have been talking about what's right with the Church of Christ, I want to begin tonight by talking about the importance of daily meditating on the Word of God. Now you can go back and look at the psalmist of old in Psalm 1 at verse 2. The Bible says that he meditated on the law of the Lord and he did that day and night. In Psalm 119, in verse 97, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. The passage that Tim read a moment ago, in John chapter 6, Jesus really laid a foundation with regard to truth and its importance to those of us who are His disciples. Jesus said, It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. Note, if you would, Jesus said that faith is a result of hearing God's Word. Paul would write in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul said, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, at verse 7, we're instructed to walk by faith and not by sight. And so, to strive to the best of our ability to understand the importance of meditating on God's Word day and night. Meditation is more than just reading a few verses and closing the book, but rather it requires constant and consistent investigation into God's Holy Word. Now we talk about Scripture and the fact that God's Word is so powerful and so important. We believe in the power of God's Word, don't we? You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible has the power to save the souls of people. God's Word has the ability not only to save the soul, but also to strengthen the soul, and ultimately to keep those who are saved, saved. And so as we look at As we look at the Scriptures and as we think about the importance of education, I would remind us of the Bereans of old. You remember they were commended by Luke in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, because they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. When we talk about the Church of Christ, we have emphasized, we have tried to stress that the Church of Christ is pre-denominational, it is non-denominational. Every congregation is autonomous in nature. We have no earthly headquarters. 
We are governed by divine truth. As a matter of fact, the goal of every child of God, the goal of every congregation is to submit to the Word of God. And we've talked about the authority of Scripture and the fact that Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority, all power had been granted unto Him in heaven and on earth. As you remember, God the Father had said in Matthew 17, verse 5, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then He accentuated these words, Hear Him. So we want to make sure that we listen to what the Lord has to say. And so investigating the truth of God. When we, as members of the body of Christ, talk about education and the importance of education, the means by which we convert people to Christ is truth, isn't it? And what we're asking people to do when we talk about what's right with the church of Christ, we're inviting people to take a look at what the Bible has to say. We are not afraid of truth. As a matter of fact, truth fears no one. And so we encourage people to investigate what does the Bible have to say? What's the Bible say about the origination of the church? What does the Bible say about salvation in the church? What does the Bible say about the identification of the church? And so we're asking people to simply look at what the Bible has to say and then draw their conclusions. You remember the psalmist said in Psalm 119, the entirety of your word or the sum of your word is truth. It would stand to reason that what we would, what we would want to do is to encourage people to look at what the Bible has to say to begin bringing those passages of Scripture together and then drawing some conclusions. What does the Bible say about the church? What does the Bible say about where the church began? What does the Bible say about the church and who governs it? Those are just some basic fundamental questions. But the key is to grow in knowledge, to grow in, to grow in our faith. And you remember Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we invite people to investigate. And I believe that those of us who belong to the church today, that we ought to continue to investigate, to continue to examine, to search the Scriptures. Because in so doing, what does that do? It strengthens our faith, doesn't it? I want to ask you a question. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 17, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Could you defend your faith to a friend or family member, to a classmate, a coworker? If somebody were to ask you, what do you believe and why do you believe it, could you convincingly defend your faith? We ought to be able to do that, shouldn't we? Didn't Peter say, sanctify the Lord God in your heart always and be ready to give an answer or a defense of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear? I am grateful that many of us here tonight were blessed to be reared in a Christian home. And I'm thankful that parents and grandparents have passed that faith on but ultimately, that faith has to become personal, doesn't it? When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he talked about the genuine faith that dwelt first in Timothy's grandmother, a woman by the name of Lois. 
and then in his mother Eunice, and then he said, and I am persuaded in you also. So you ask the question, okay, how did all, all that come about? Was that just by accident? No, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, and that from a baby, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So investigating the faith, making the faith our own, to have a genuine faith as Timothy did in the long ago. So we encourage investigation. But not only are we to investigate the truth of God, we must invest in the truth of God. If God's Word is going to, to be what it ought to be in our lives, we've got to make an investment, don't we? We've got to say, this book is really important. And to the best of my ability, I want to know what this book has to say. Now, there are a lot of folks in the world today that quite frankly don't know much about the Bible. There are a lot of religious people, many within the church, who sadly know very little about what the Bible has to say. So what we want to do is to invest our lives in a study of God's Word. Now you go back and look again at Psalm 1-2. The psalmist said that his delight was in the law of Jehovah. In that law he meditated both day and night. If you're going to know something about divine truth, if you're going to know this book, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of study. It's going to require an investment on your part. You know, sometimes we invest in things because we think they're worthwhile. Those of us that exercise on a regular basis, we do that because we believe there's a payoff, right? We believe that investing some time in working out, we believe that's good for our cardio system. We believe that it's good for our muscular system. And so we go to the gym on a regular basis. Well, by the same token, spiritually speaking, and didn't Paul talk about exercising ourselves unto godliness? So spending time, investing in the Word of God. Do you remember Joshua of old? When God summoned Joshua to take the place of Moses, God said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He said, You shall meditate in it day and night, that you might keep the commandments that were recorded therein. He said, If you will do that, he said, you will make your way prosperous. And he said, then you will have good success. Do you want to enjoy blessings in your life? Then invest in divine truth. Think about the psalmist of old. The psalmist said many years ago, my heart stands in awe of your word. wonder why that was. Do you think he recognized that there was a correlation between God's Word and a blessed life. I think he realized that. And so, as we think tonight about the importance of education and daily meditating on the truth of God, I want to suggest secondly tonight the importance of daily memorizing the Word of God. 
Now in Psalm 119, verse 11, here's what the psalmist said. Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you remember when Jesus was battling the devil at the onset of his ministry? Three times the devil made a run at Jesus. Three times Jesus responded to the temptations of the devil by saying, It is written. He began by saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So as we think about memorizing Scripture, I want to encourage we take God's Word and we internalize that Word. We make it a part of us. Think about what Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3. Paul said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. All Paul's saying there is, let God's Word find a place in your heart, a home in your heart. So again, we go back to the question. Could you defend your faith? If somebody began in rapid fire asking you questions about what you believe, could you answer them biblically? Could you give, as we say, book, chapter, and verse? So what we're trying to do is encourage study. On Friday, Jared and I sat down and we were talking about this lesson. We came up with 52 key verses, basic fundamental verses that will help all of us in terms of growing and being able to answer those who ask us questions about what we believe. Now, again, think about what Jesus said. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Didn't Jesus say in the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? And then He said the, the second part of the Great Commission is to teach them to observe all things. In other words, we've got to ground people in the truth of God, don't we? One of the jobs of preaching and teaching is to emphasize and re-emphasize divine truths. The goal is learning, isn't it? Jesus said, Every man therefore that hath heard and learned of the Father. The goal is that we learn, that we learn together. Let me just share with you some of these verses and really what we want to do over the next 52 weeks is take a verse a week. Now, I know a lot of folks say, well, you know what, I can't remember Scripture. I've tried, I just can't do it. Well, let me ask this question. How many of you can remember in detail what happened on the football field last night or the night before? It's amazing how when you get into a conversation with somebody, they'll start talking about, and you know, in the first quarter, they did this. The second quarter, they ran this play. We can remember a lot more than we give ourselves credit for, can't we? We've, we've, got, we've got a good memory. It's not that we can't remember. The problem is we haven't invested in trying to learn the Word of God and to internalize it into our hearts and lives. And so if you take one verse a week, 
And I would grant that there are a couple of passages here that we've lumped two verses together. Now look, a verse or two a week is not too much to ask of anybody, is it? Can you nod your head? Just making sure we're still here. I want to make sure we've got a pulse here. So we can, we can take a verse a week. And what I'd like to do, what Jared and I would like to do, is have small cards made up with the verse of the week on those cards. We'll place those cards in the foyer. It might be that we'll take a ring so that you can add to that ring every week. And the goal is to take that verse over the course of the next week. You can put that, ver that verse in your pocket. You can put it in your purse. You might put it in your automobile, wherever. Put it by your bedside. And every day you pick up that verse, you read it, and then you put that verse down and you recite it. Now look, in 52 weeks, you'll have 50 verses committed to memory. You on board with that? Can you do that? Now, let me show you how this thing operates. For example, if somebody were to say to you, you know, I've been told that we are born in sin. Have you ever heard that? That we have inherited the sin of Adam? That's pretty popular in religious circles today. And so if somebody were to say that to you, then you could say, well, you know, I remember Ezekiel said in chapter 18, verse 20, the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. See, that's just one verse. But it gives somebody something to chew on. That's a start, isn't it? Now somebody might say to you, how important is it to be baptized into Jesus? You mean to tell me that I've got to be baptized if I'm going to be forgiven? Well, we've actually listed a couple of verses here. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. See how easy that is? You know that. But if somebody were to ask you, is baptism essential to the salvation of the soul, you can say, well, here's what Jesus said. And then if pressed further, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We have divine precedence. The church began on Pentecost Day in the city of Jerusalem. When those people were asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, you need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Again, that's a starting place, isn't it? If somebody were to say to you, If somebody were to say, do you believe the Word of God is a living and powerful message? Or would you say it's a dead letter? You could go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Look, this is just basic fundamental stuff, isn't it? If somebody were to ask you, who is the head of the church? Colossians 1.18, he's the head of the church. 
He's the head of the body of the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. So what are we doing? We are building an arsenal of scriptures in our mind so that when we talk to our friends, neighbors, classmates, family, whomever, and we begin to talk about religious matters, we can say, look, this is what the Bible says. We're going to be memorizing verses that have to do with commitment. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Verses that emphasize steadfastness in the faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And so, if we do this, if we take these 52 verses and we commit them to memory, and let me tell you what, once you get them up here, they'll stay with you, won't they? But it it's going to take some time. It's going to take dedication on your... You're going to have to buy in, as we say. Buy in to memorizing these verses over a period of time. Now, when I think about the importance of education in the body of Christ and realizing that we strive to the best of our ability to respect and honor the authority of Jesus... There are a lot of folks in the religious world today, as I said a moment ago, they really don't know what they believe. They don't know why they believe what they practice. And so what we're trying to do is encourage investigation, not only among our own membership, but we're encouraging all of us to reach out to those around us and try to stimulate investigation on their part when it comes to God's Word. Now, the church today, well, let me just back up for a minute. There was a day and time when many, many people who belonged to the church, they were rock solid when it came to Scripture. They knew the Word of God. The old story about being at the courthouse. They couldn't find a Bible, so they asked for a member of the church so that they could place their hand on that individual and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And the idea was that members of the body of Christ, members of the church, they were living, breathing, walking Bibles. So what we want to do is get back to that. Get back to knowing the book, knowing the Scriptures. It saddens me that there are a lot of congregations in our brotherhood today that are not where they used to be, that are not what they used to be. They're not where they used to be. They're not what they used to be. I wonder sometimes how long it will be before some take the name down, the sign down. There are a lot of elderships that Quite frankly, we hear from time to time who go back and restudy certain biblical subjects, re-examine what the truth has to say. And look, I'm all for investigation. I'm all for examination, and I see nothing wrong with going back and re-examining old truths. 
But what I see and hear from many is the fact that they're going to go back and re-examine or re-investigate a certain biblical principle and then they will come to a different conclusion that they had previous, previously held. It might be instrumental music. It might be with regard to the woman's role. Look, those issues were settled a long time ago. And if those of us who belong to the church, those of us who are members of the body of Christ, if we know the Bible well enough, then if someone were to start saying, you know what, we need to rethink how we're doing things biblically. We can say, oh no. We, we need to go back and look at what the Bible has to say. Our goal is to be submissive to what the Lord has said, to what He's taught in Scripture. And by the way, it sure would be refreshing to hear of elders who go back and reinvestigate and re-examine certain subjects, and after it's all said and done, the conclusion that they reached is this. You know what? We've been right all along. We've been doing biblical things in biblical ways, and we're going to stay with that. But that's not what I hear. Typically what I hear are elders saying that they've re-examined an issue and they have therefore come to the conclusion that they now have liberty in an area that once had been defined as off-limits. What that says to me is there was an agenda. So why not just be honest and say, you know what, this is what we're going to do, and do it. And if you don't want to wear the name of the church that belongs to Christ, then take it down. Simple as that. So, over the next 52 weeks, we want to do our best to memorize Scripture. And hopefully and prayerfully, over the course of the next year, we will learn together. Not only learn together, but grow together. Does that sound reasonable? All right. So, you got a couple of weeks. I think what we'll do, I haven't talked to Jared about this, but I think what we'll do initially is print up all 52 verses on one sheet of paper. So if you want to get a head start, you can go ahead and get a head, head start, a jump on the situation, or get a jump on studying these verses. I promise you this, if you'll do this at the end of the year in 2020, You'll be glad you did it. You really will. You'll be glad you did it. All right. We're going to close now. If you're here tonight and you're not a member of the church, if you're not a part of, of the church that you read about in the Bible, what we want to do is encourage you to become a New Testament Christian. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, if we do what they did in the first century, then we, be, we can become what they were. And what were they? Do you remember what Acts chapter 11 verse 26 says about the disciples at Antioch? They were first called Christians in that city. They began to wear the name of Christ. And so to honor the Lord by submitting to His will. 
Jesus said in John chapter 3, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you're here tonight and you believe Jesus to be who He claimed to be, that is the Son of God, and you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess His name before others, be immersed in water, then your sins can be washed away. That's what, that's what Luke records in Acts 22, verse 16. If you're here tonight, for whatever reason, you want the prayers of the church. It might be that you're here tonight and you want God to come back into your life. You've left His fold and you want the prayers of the church. You want us to pray with you and for you. We'd be happy to do that. It might be that you're here tonight and you're struggling with problems and difficulties in your life and you just need the prayers of the church family. We'd be happy to pray with you tonight. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. When the storms of life, when the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love.